Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Altius Mineral Corporation Q1 2021 Financial Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during today's session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today. Laura Wood, please go ahead. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Q1 call. Our press release and quarterly filings were released yesterday after the close and are posted to our website. This event is being webcast live, and you'll be able to access a replay of the call along with the presentation slides that have been added to the website at www.altsminerals.com. I'll also point out, after the call, we'll be holding our annual general meeting, again by conference call webcast, and the coordinates for that event are on our website and in the management information circular. Start time for that is 11.30 Eastern. One more event announcement. Tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern, we're holding a virtual investor day call and webcast where we're doing a deeper dive into the fundamentals of our producing royalties and also covering development stage royalties. The details for that are on our website. The conference call has a live Q&A session and the webcast is a recording of the session. So no live Q&A interface, but we'd love to get questions in advance and we'll read them out and answer them on that call. With the investor day going on tomorrow, our Q1 call today will be a bit shorter than usual. Brian Dalton, CEO, and Ben Lewis, CFO, are both speakers today, and Ben will open it up for questions. The forward-looking statement you've seen on slide two applies to everything we say, both in the formal remarks and during Q&A. And with that, I'll turn over to Ben to take us through the numbers. Thank you, Flora, and good morning, everyone. Q1 royalty revenue of 17.8 million or 43 cents per share was down 19% from Q4 2020 when we had the large end of year catch up dividend from Labrador Iron Ore Royalty Corporation. And on some price and timing of sales recognition lags this Q1 that we expect to start to catch up during Q2. On a year-over-year comparison basis, Q1 revenue is up 9% from last year. Q1 EBITDA was 14.6 million or 35 cents per share compared to 17.6 million last quarter, consistent with the change in revenue. The EBITDA margin was 82% this quarter compared to 80% last quarter. Both Q4 and Q1 EBITDA margins are at the upper end of our traditional range. Relative to revenue growth, fixed costs remain stable, and so we were 
construct so were constructive to margins. GNA expenditures of 1.9 million in Q1 are down 27% from Q4. This is explained mostly by higher legal and other professional fees in the prior period. The Great Bay Renewables subsidiary GNA is no longer included in our consolidated numbers after the former formation of the joint venture between ARR and Apollo funds in October last year, with revenue and expenses now presented in earnings or loss from joint ventures. Adjusted operating cash flow was $8.8 million this quarter, down 35% from Q4, adjusted operating cash flow of $13.5 million, and is largely caused by the timing of corporate tax installments. The quarterly net earnings of $11.8 million, or $0.28 cents per share, include $0.14 cents in non-cash adjustment items that are identified in the waterfall table and slide that you can find on our website, leading to adjusted net earnings of $0.14 cents per share. The main adjustment item is a $0.09 cent per share gain on fair value of derivatives, which reflects the increase in market value of warrants held within the PG equity portfolio. In addition, there are smaller foreign exchange gains, dilution gains, and a reversal of the impairment recorded on the secured loan to Alderaan. We fully recovered the loan amount shortly after the quarter when we received an additional 600,000 champion shares as part of that receiver based asset sales settlement process. I'll also remind you that we hold a 3% gross sales royalty on the CAMI R&R project, which Champion is currently evaluating. The board of directors declared a five cent per share dividend to be paid to shareholders of record on May, May 31st. Payment date will be June 15, 2021. Now I'll turn to the balance sheet and capital allocation. The cash position increased to approximately 112 million at the end of the quarter, mainly because of the net proceeds received from the IPO of Altius Renewable Royalties. We report ARR in our consolidated financial statements because we currently own 59% of that company. The cash position excluding the ARR IPO proceeds is 19 million which has been around our comfort level for the last few quarters. We received 5.6 million from the exercise of 400,000 warrants that were held by Yamana as part of the 2016 Chapada stream purchase and immediately used these proceeds as well as some additional cash to buy back 473,000 shares during the quarter or 1.1% of our shares outstanding for a total cost of 7.4 million. In addition, our regular interest payments, or in addition to our regular interest payments, dividend payment, preferred distributions, and debt reduction payments, we also invested 4 million in investments in our PG equity portfolio. This was offset by 7 million in sales. In addition, we invested 2.2 million in lithium royalty corporate corporation, which was part of a previously disclosed investment commitment. That's my main remarks for today, and I'll turn it over to Brian. Thank you, Bain. Thank you, Flora. Uh, 
as Flora said, we have our investor day tomorrow, so we'll I'll keep these remarks brief. Uh, don't want to run the risk of having nothing fresh or fun to talk about tomorrow. Uh, by way of a teaser for investor day, uh, I want you to consider the following excerpts from our 2019 letter to shareholders, which can be found in, in its entirety in the investor section of our website. At the conclusion of that letter, we said, your business is strong and filled with embedded royalty volume growth that is already happening in a meaningful and measurable fashion. This is occurring across a diverse portfolio of long-life, high-margin mining assets, mines that produce those commodities that are best aligned with long-term global structural trend shifts. The Altius Renewable Royalty Platform is developing more quickly than we could have hoped. The timing of the perfect storm for metal prices is hard to call precisely, but its forces are deeply structural and intensifying. Its demand drivers have already begun to emerge, while the incentivization conditions needed to bring on required levels of new supply for replacements and growth are still absent. The longer that this combination persists, the stronger the storm is likely to be when it comes, and our royalties will directly and immediately benefit. Our PG business should flourish, and even more production growth will materialize from within our current pipeline. Uh, so an incredible number of things have gone on in the world to try to upset that thesis since then. In 2019, there was the Trump trade war with China, then emboldened the beers and slowed the approach of the storm. And then, of course, the whole world shut down for the best part of 2020. Uh, to keep the meteorological analogy going, we can probably call COVID the mother of all blocking systems. Uh, the front edge of the storm has made its inevitable landfall now, however, and it is feeling like a doozy. The previous super cycle, when measured from bottom to bottom, ran from about 2001 to 2016. Incentive price and sentiment conditions were crossed into around 2005-2006 and persisted until, say, 2011-2012, if we ignore the little global financial crisis episode in the middle, when resulting supply impacts began to push the market to below incentivization levels for the next nine years or so until today. The boom sets up the bust and vice versa. Our focus during Investor Day will therefore be to highlight how Altius has positioned itself to benefit from this latest cyclical shift. You will hear the words organic growth and optionality quite a bit, so don't gloss over the forward-looking statement warnings. We've had a lot of fun putting it together, so I hope our shareholders and investors will find it an interesting session. We also have a special treat of being joined by champion David Catterford, will tackle the topics of iron ore quality and cleaner steel making for us and explain why the Labrador trough is about to become so much more globally relevant and necessary. Anyway, I hope that's enough of a teaser. Any questions on the quarter? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Adrian, you want to open up the Q&A? As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, press star 1. That is star 1 for questions. 
The next question comes from the line of Craig Hutchison with TV Security. Hi guys, so thanks for taking my question. Um, you're, you're, I'm sure you're going to address this tomorrow, but just, and I don't want to steal any of your thunder, but just in terms of a question of capital allocation, obviously given the extraordinary strengths we're seeing here in the underlying commodities and in your royalty portfolios, um, any insight you can provide into to thinking what you guys might do with some of that excess cash flow, um, both in terms of you know, capital allocation and maybe further uh, capital returns to shareholders? Well, first off, Craig, I can't even tell you how happy I am to get a question like that. Um, we are, we actually had a board meeting yesterday. It, look, it's been a really busy, busy, busy quarter between the ARR spin out and everything else. But as we go into the rest of the year and even this quarter, there's a lot of work uh, that we're planning to do on updating our capital allocation strategy. We feel like this is a bit of an inflection point now, cyclically. Um, conditions are not great for, um, for you know, M&A type activity and buying assets. Uh, it's just not the right part of the cycle. That was the last part when we were very busy. We've obviously got uh, some debt still on our books from all those acquisitions. Um, so that'll be part of the prioritization, but you know, returns of capital are definitely gonna be a huge part of that discussion. Um, but give us, a, give us a quarter or so to do the work and think things through. Um, you know, with a longer term perspective so we can give our shareholders some, some better guidance. So work in progress. Okay. Maybe just one other question for me, you know, in terms of your project generation portfolio, you know, we are seeing a lot of renewed exploration spending and budgets here. Is there anything or one or two assets in your portfolio um, that you would just want to highlight maybe just in terms of what you see the, the best kind of growth potential and, and maybe uh, the possibility of eventually being a, a paying royalty in your portfolio? Definitely getting into thunder for from, uh, stealing thunder from tomorrow, but I'll uh, I'll give it a stab. I mean, I mean the things we're looking at with uh, high anticipation, obviously, are you know, probably foremost would be hopes that uh, Champion goes ahead and builds the Cami project. That would be an incredibly material event in our future if that were to, to come to be. Um, Broadly speaking, within the PG portfolio, Inventus has got a feasibility study coming this year. Half a dozen or so have resource estimates and PEA-type studies coming. I don't think all of those are, you know, really are it's possible. For some, some of those could get there this cycle. Others, I think, are probably longer-term types of bets, but they're all, you know, lots of things going in the right direction. Um, far more speculatively, speculatively um, we own a royalty on a project that uh, Anglo Gold Ashanti in Nevada has been very busy on called Silicon, and um, there's quite a bit of buzz around that. Um, don't know, they've been very tight-lipped about results to date. I think there's some strategic reasons for that, but, um, you know, just as a little something that we're watching kind of uh, kind of item you know there's there's quite a bit like we 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 really did a lot of work between say 2013 16 17 you know, loading up on land converted those equity positions the juniors that ended up with those projects are doing really well they've been I think raising 
an outsized share of capital. We've been attracting really strong uh, new investors to come in alongside of us. So um, couldn't be happier with how the PG business is unfolding now that um, now that speculative capital has returned to the sector. Seems like it's finally left left weed and everything else, and it's come back to its natural home. So none too soon. I agree. Okay, that was great. Um, look forward to the investor day tomorrow, and thanks for taking my questions. Cheers. The next question comes from the line of Kerry McCurry with Conacord Genuity. Thank you. Good morning, Brian and everyone. Just one question for me on the quarter. Um, just in the terms of the coal business, you had a big Q4, and then it came down pretty sharply in Q1. Just wondering, is there any guidance you can give us for coal? For 2021, is it going to be more similar to Q1? And I know this you mentioned sort of sheerness reaching end of life up these things. So just any color on the coal business would be great. Yeah, we don't see much hope for um, surprises from sheerness, and that was of course a lot of what happened in Q4. Um, it's a bit of a surge. I don't know if it was getting rid of what inventories were around or whatever, but we don't see much there. Uh, for Genesee, it looks you know like business as usual for. A bit of time yet as they uh, get going on their on their gas conversion. So I mean, I think if I were looking at us and how I see it, I mean, I'm looking at Genesee doing okay and, and keeping on going for a bit here. But we we all know the writing is on the wall, and that um, Capital Power is trying to get coal off of its. Uh, off of its record as well as quickly as possible. So a couple more years there. Okay, great. That's it for me. I'll, I'll save the rest for tomorrow. Thanks. The next question comes from the line of Brian MacArthur with Raymond James. Hi, good morning. Uh, again, just quickly, vis-a-vis uh, -vis your capital um, cycle comments, um, do you have much more to monetize in the private or junior equity portfolio, or are we pretty well done? Are you expecting a lot more to come out of that as, as far as monetization? So we did the PG portfolio? Yes, please. Um, wow, no, we have, uh, I think at the end of the March, we reported somewhere in the mid-50s of equity values held. And we've been monetizing, you know, lots over the last few years, but we've also been continuously adding positions because we've, you know, we've still been, the team has been doing really well with selling on new projects for new equities. So there's a bit of a natural replenishment that happens there. Uh, so it would have been mid-50s, and you know what the market has done since the end of March. It's more than that now. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, there's been good appreciation, and I think there's still quite a bit on some of the names to come and we'll keep adding new equity positions as additional projects are, are vended for shares and, and royalties. Um, pretty early days for uh, what's going to come from that portfolio for this cycle as far as I'm concerned. Right, but that's, sorry, just my, my just to be clear, there, there's more private stuff that you can vend out. I mean, it, last cycle you had a whole inventory mm. new. Uh, I, right. I was curious where we are in that part of the phase of vending uh, the land back out to, to juniors, whether we're 80% done or 60% done. Yeah, sorry, I, I misinterpreted the question. So 
Anyone who can remember back to 2016, we would have talked about, you know, I think it was somewhere around 1.7 million hectares of lands and then an awful pile of sales over the next few years. And inventory has been running on a sort of uh, just-in-time basis ever since. So uh, the team is active and building up positions. There's a handful of projects uh, within the portfolio that are, you know, at, at different stages and there's new ones being added. So there's no, there hasn't been a, like a, a big inventory there for a couple of years. It's been a, um, you know, but we're, you know, we continue to work at replenishment all, all every day. So, but the big backlog or the big load up, if we call it, through the down cycle, and things were really opportune has been has been cleared, and now it's just uh, new ideas and, and continuous additions. Thank you very much. I'll keep the rest of my questions till tomorrow. Great. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star one. The next question comes from the line of John Tomazo with John Tomazo Berry Pendant Research. We realize that the history of all this is very patient project generating, exploration, getting in sort of on the ground floor and helping to grow a project. And some of the other companies write big checks. In the March quarter, Franco Nevada invested about uh, US $600 million in iron ore. They bought a $538 million debenture in Valet as a participating debenture, plus some Labrador iron units. Um, could you give us a, a sense of the speed of the redeployment away from coal and potash into base metals and renewables and the trade-off between patients or Franco writing a big check and getting immediate exposure? Um, you know, yeah, I think that's a great question, John. First, one thing to clarify, yes, there's no doubt that Franco recently bought the Valet Debentures, but um, I note that they were actually basically disclosing much earlier purchases of Labrador. In fact, based on their average prices, it sounds like we were running a pretty parallel track in terms of when we started, probably in around 2016. There's no other way you could get to that average price other than other than there, we were 2016 and right up into 2018, soon after the, we used a bunch of the Fairfax proceeds actually where, where we got a lot of our position. Um, as far as the longer term approach, yeah, I mean, we're more, I guess we, we, we're, we're counter cyclical, obviously, and we'll build things up uh, a bit slower and let the option value play out. Um, so kind of where you're going, I think is, you know, do we, buy all through the cycle and generally speaking no that's not how we do it we feel really good about the bets we have in and some of the earlier stage bets we made over the last number of years making it you know growing our portfolio whether it's expansions at existing mines or or new developments like cami or those sorts of things um yeah, it's not a. 
I wouldn't look for it. I mean, I would just wouldn't look for it from us. You never say never because special situations arise, but it's not our intent to buy all through the cycle. Um, we buy when conditions are, are really opportune and we let organic growth take over when prices and incentivization conditions kick in. So that's why we were picking for royalties, whether they were existing operations or development assets that we felt were most likely to be invested in when uh, when the time came. So big resource lives, great margin positions, pretty straightforward predictors really of, of future investment. And so that's what we see in our immediate future. The last comment I'll make there is um, Franco has a different situation than we do in that they have a different equity cost of capital profile. And that gives them, I think, more flexibility um, you know, to, to work throughout the cycle. I mean, maybe we get there someday, but uh, that's not what we're to now. And you know, the other thing, the other way that reflects is that uh, a lot of our acquisitions through the down cycle made use of of, uh, of leverage. You know, Franco doesn't typically do that because their equity capital cost of capital um, means they don't have to. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering any part of your question there, but. We feel really good about where we're positioned for this part of the cycle, and whenever this one ends, hopefully ten or fifteen years from now, uh, we'll be ready to go again on the more on the M and A side. But it's not the key focus right now. Uh, thank you. That's a very good explanation. If I can ask another question, uh, once again on Iron Ore, uh, Champion lists eight projects on their website. Uh, Clearly, a couple of them are much bigger and advanced producing or potentially producing. Um, are you open to investing uh, in such early stage iron ore exploration in, in the Labrador trough to add to your iron ore exposure? Uh, or is owning 600,000 shares of Champion a good enough way? to participate in the, the package of the different growth properties? Um, we've got a little more than that because we still have shares. We, we invest, invested in Champion back whenever they, soon after they bought Bloom Lake. And we have, we have somewhere just over a million shares, I think, of Champion, but still uh, to your question, um, you know, a lot of our exposure here going forward to what champion does at least we hope is through our royalty in, in cami um, uh, we, we really hope that that rises to the forefront as far as their next phase of expansion and growth uh, develops here but we also do have other um, pretty significant iron ore interests within the labrador trough we've been active there for i don't know how long now 15 years probably uh, so we all know about Cami and our royalty there, but there are other projects that um, um, actually one of which will probably have a first resource estimate published on later this year. It's within a company called Avidian uh, Gold or a spin out of theirs or a division of theirs called High Tide. So we're, we're definitely, you know, we've got more layers of exposure to the Labrador troughs. And I, I do think the Labrador troughs, despite it being running now for whatever it is, 
50 or 60 or 70 years. Uh, I think it's really just coming into its heyday. So from a long-term perspective, we're very um, deeply positioned there. Would we get involved with other projects? Um, probably. Um, you know, we have a great relationship with Champion that goes way back. And, uh, you know, if there was something else that they were advancing and they wanted to work with us, you know, David or Michael would only have to pick up the phone and he'd have very open ears for sure. Those guys Thank are great. You. I'll now turn it back over to John for closing remarks. Well, thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for dialing in and really appreciate the questions. And we'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.